Okay. So I'll start reading it in my best Jenny Mori voice. Welcome to Witch, the Women in Technology Creative Industries Hub. My name is Bishi, the co-founder, artistic director, and the host of this podcast. My relationship to technology first came as a fan. Um, I was a big fan of women such as Wendy Carlos and Laurie Anderson and Delia Derbyshire. I was actually a technophobe. I'd managed to convince myself that it was too difficult for me. It was out of my depth. I wasn't very good at it, but I knew that I loved it. And despite the fact that I was actually programming and, and writing on my laptop, on Logic from my late teens, I just didn't have any faith in it. And then it was through collaborating with Matthew Harden, who is a musician and artist. And just over the years of being at it more and more, I realized that actually this is really my thing. Which was born to celebrate women at the intersection of creative tech and science. I had been aware from touring my own music and AV projects internationally that there was a growing scene of artistic and multifaceted women, each using technology in interesting and radical ways. I wanted to identify who we were and help build a community. Just a note, by women, I mean non-binary and those who identify as female. Which is gender inclusive. Everyone is welcome. So the name witch was a little bit of a cheeky wink to the witch trope. The witch is a woman who has traditionally always had a lot of knowledge, but she's always been feared. We can think of witches through Hollywood, like the Wicked Witch of the West, and then there's Glenda the Good Witch, Sabrina the Witch. My recent obsession with pop culture witches came in the form of being a fan of American Horror Story Coven, uh, the Ryan Murphy series, which starred Sarah Paulson, Angela Bassett, and Jessica Lange. I was really interested in the fact that they were all older, glamorous broads who were extremely charismatic. I feel that looking at pictures of Daphne Oram and Delia Derbyshire, they are really giving me witch vibes. Started in October 2016, I've curated guests such as Imogen Heap, Animatronic, Mira Calix and Lone Taxidermist. Witch has recently presented a live salon at the Tate Modern. We have a lot more up our sleeves. Watch this space. People will know the stylophone because you have this kind of ribbon bar and you've got this metal thing that you use a little kind of like metal pen to yeah. trigger. To do Peter Piper for me, please. Peter Piper picked a... What's the rest of the rhyme? I don't remember. Peter Piper picked... A pepper. A, a pickle pepper. Or like, is, is there another word in there? Not sure. Porridge. <laughs> I had porridge today. Pickled peppers and porridge. <laughs> oh, that sounds lovely. This brings me on to welcoming the first ever guest for the Witch Podcast, Hannah Peel, a Northern Irish singer-songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, composer and arranger, now based in London. Peel has released records as a solo artist, as a member of the psychogeography indie rock group The Magnetic North, and with many other collaborators, including the electronic group John Fox and the Maths and Beyond the Wizard's Sleeve. 
Her previous album, Awake But Always Dreaming, was released by her own imprint record label, My Own Pleasure Records, in 2016 and was awarded number one electronic album of the year by Electronic Sound magazine. Her most recent album, Mary Cassio, Journey to Cassiopeia, is described as a seven-movement odyssey composed for analogue synthesizers and full, traditional, 29-piece colliery brass band exploring one person's journey to outer space. She does this by recounting the story of an unknown, elderly, pioneering, electronic musical stargazer and her lifelong dream to leave her terraced home in the mining town of Barnsley, South Yorkshire, to see Cassiopeia for herself. I wrote a little kind of thing on Facebook and said, I'd love to know more. Does anybody else have any experience with music and memory? And so many people wrote back and said, oh, yeah, we use music with my granddad when he gets really distressed. And then another friend said, I've got a friend who you should talk to. She went to the rival school that you went to in Barnsley. And uh, she's a scientist and she's working with Alzheimer's. And she's based in London, so I met with her, a wonderful um, scientist called Selena Ray, and she took me to her lab and went through everything she does, and she basically grows brain neurons in Petri dishes to look at the effects and to try and find a cure or ways of slowing down. And it was just mind-blowing. So I learned a lot, you know, I learned a lot about the facts that one in three of us are affected by 2050, it'll have kind of tripled the amount of people that will have been diagnosed with it. So it is massively on the increase. Yeah, it just started off a love with science and actually finding out more and being more investigated into things. So, you know, like if I'm looking at a synth and I want to discover the synth, and why am I not looking into music in the brain and discovering what makes that tick? Because that's the biggest kind of biological discovery that we've ever had in the world, in the, in our universe. Like we can go to space and we can go to planets and loads of other things, but we still don't understand the brain and how that works. And what did it look like inside of these petri dishes did you have a look through yeah so that yeah. was the most exciting thing it looked like the stars in the universe that was really quite incredible and when you took a picture of it down the microscope with your iphone it looked like you were looking at the moon as well and it just left a sense of god we really are all connected and patterns and things are connected and um so that sent me off onto the next record which was called mary cassio journey to cassiopeia yeah, which was which I'm I'm very, I've got lots of exciting questions. Um, it's an absolutely beautiful record. I just have to say that in this moment to you, um, mm, it's you. it's the combination of analog synths and brass. I've never seen that combination come together, and just the whole idea behind it, which I'm going to ask you more about. Um, would you describe Mary Cassio Journey to Cassiopeia as a concept album? Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I, you know, I think concept records are are a wonderful thing, Me especially too. now in the digital age where you can stream one track and then that's it. Yeah. I think there's a real call for like that whole package, and and you know even the vinyl to be all kind of interlaced with that story or or the idea behind this whole thing. It really um, is a whole piece together. I mean, when you describe it as seven movements, it really is seven movements. And it's a very emotional journey. I've seen a few videos of you talking about the character of Mary Cassio. Could you tell us a little bit more about her? Yeah, so she... Um, 
you know, when you're making a record or anything and you're in the studio, you, you become sometimes a bit jaded or tired. And so I uh, always had, we've got loads of Casio keyboards in the back cupboard. So I'd go put on my glasses and put on these like little tango waltz beats and just dance around the studio with the, my glasses and playing the beats. And and uh, I just loved the name Mary Casio. I just thought it was really good fun. And Mary is a name that in my middle name, but also a name that I've always shied away from as a kid. I always never tell people what my middle name was because it was so old-fashioned at the time. And now, obviously, I love it, but uh, Mary Cassio became this kind of, like, fun thing in the studio. So whenever there was always a bit of tension or something when we were mixing Awake but Always Dreaming or trying to, you know, alleviate and make, make the atmosphere different, I would I would get out Mary Cassio. And, and what's Mary Cassio's story? So she then developed from this kind of Casio keyboard world and in fact there isn't even a Casio on the album into instrumental tracks came out but it wasn't until the brass band got in touch and said would you like to do something with synthesizers and and colliery brass band and obviously being from a child from playing in brass bands I was like oh my god this would be amazing Mary Cassio you know this story of like you know where I grew up there's these wonderful old miners terraces and a lot of people don't leave there like my old neighbors who are now in the 90s are still there have never left don't really go into town anymore don't leave and um, one neighbor in particular was like a great trombonist and used to play saxophone and have a love for music and used to pass me records as a kid and and I just felt like Mary Cassio was this maybe a nod or a homage to like Delia Derbyshire and Daphne Aram, people that were maybe just forgotten in their old age and much like my grandmother, you just forget about them because maybe they've forgotten about you but it doesn't mean they're not there anymore and she became this character that maybe was an inventor and in her back garden is in a shed of like amazing instruments and a telescope and a dream to go to Cassiopeia and see this place that she's dreamed of going all her life and leave this mining town behind and you know at the time it was the vote for Brexit and everything so there was all this kind of thing about every time the news went somewhere to interview local people they would always go to Barnsley and there would be someone on TV going oh yeah you know get immigrants out of here and all this and you're just like there's, there's nobody in Barnsley what are you talking about yeah. and it felt like a real kind of like well I'm going to take them to outer space and they're going to go there and realise how open the world is Would you say that she's almost like an alter ego or like an amalgamation of childhood I mean it, you know she, she could almost be a graphic novel character yeah. as well yeah, and you know, in my mind, she's this little old lady, but she's a genius, but she's never told anybody. And the fact that then she goes on this journey into outer space, she goes from Goodbye Earth, the first track, and she leaves Sunrise Through the Dusty Nebulas when she finally gets into outer space and looks back at the back at the sun, or our sun. Yeah, the journey continues through the seven parts until the very end, which is the planet of past souls. Each track was improvised in terms of I would use just one synth and then improvise around that and then literally use those soundscapes. It was more, again, like the music box. It was a therapeutic way for me to kind of contrast what else was going on at the time. So... um, I would put on like NASA landing, like unedited things from YouTube and 
and I'd use the oblique strategy cards, Brian Eno, and lay them out. And every um, half an hour, kind of turn them over, like religiously, and then have to do what it said. And yeah. that, a lot of the tracks came about just from doing that. I'm just going to jump in here. For those of you who don't know the oblique strategies, they are a set of cards created by Brian Eno and Peter Schmidt. And you can draw them from a deck and they help resolve any creative dilemmas. Let's get back to Hannah. Um, so there's a freedom and a, and, a, and a kind of, you know, no restrictions that really came with that record. And the Planet of Past Souls has a recording of your grandfather as a chorister. Did I read that correctly? Yeah. 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 I thought that was so special. It gave it, it gave the record that slightly hauntology feel to it. <sighs> Yeah, it was, that was a record that was made in 1927 Wow! when he was 13. It was one of the first ever recordings of a, a choir boy and it was made in Manchester Cathedral. They made it and it, the, something to do with it hadn't set properly or it hadn't been recorded quite as good as they wanted so they went back and his voice had broken by the time they'd gone back so never re-recorded it. But um, it was played at, at, at his funeral and I never had a copy of it or anything and... I just found it on YouTube and I just oh my God. So I ripped it off YouTube. I couldn't believe it that it was there. It was so amazing. Um, I found recordings of my mum on YouTube as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. You know, this planet where she, Mary Cassie, steps out on just felt like maybe she thought that was Cassiopeia. She steps out into this world of wind and rain, which was recorded and sampled on my phone from a caravan in Donegal. The memories start to float out through her ears and start to kind of be dispelled into the atmosphere. So these sounds of like the music box and my grandfather singing just start to come out into the atmosphere and start to be lost. It felt like a real kind of nod back to the Alzheimer's and the record that was previous. Really left a question of, is this journey real? Or is this part of Mary's imagination? And she's just sat in her back garden daydreaming in the sun or something. Or is this like her passing on into another life and another realm? What I love about the way you're talking about all of this is, in a sense, it's not the destination, it's the journey. And that's... That's the path of any artist or any musician. Is it, it, it? It's always about. Yeah, I love this idea of questioning whether something is real or not because I think we all we all feel that to a certain extent. So, what synthesizers did you use when that you were improvising on? So, I had a Geno sixty, my go-to instrument, which is incredible. There was a Jupiter four and a Cog Monopoly. And, a mini and these Moog. are all analog synthesizers. It's all analog yeah. synthesizers, and the Mini Moog is from around sixty, no, maybe early seventies. Sorry, and the rest are more eighties, early eighties since. And the Cog Monopoly is this giant kind of big machine. It's very long. It's got lots of knobs. You use it. It's great bass synth. But this one was broken and it did my head in. And But because the Brian Eno oblique strategy card had said, I turned it over and it had said, use the thing that really frustrates you or something like that, I had to use it. So I had to get some kind of sounds out of it. So I got these really amazing frequencies and eventually found a few notes that I could tune and that became um, Life is on the Horizon, which is track five. 